Marketing is entering a new era and it's weeding out some other activities and adding new ones. Yeah. And a lot of people are missing it. I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhill. And this is Don't Say Content. And shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. They're great at creating shows with strategic outcomes in mind. They've been with us since the podcast was just an idea, and they helped us bring it to life from strategy all the way to execution, and we absolutely love partnering with them. So if you, dear listeners, are thinking of launching a podcast, which you definitely should, by the way, we recommend having a conversation with our favorite people over at Share Your Genius. Now let's get into it. I think now in particular, the idea of frameworks and how they operate and what they're intended to do and what they entail for marketing is particularly not just like relevant, but important Hmm. because I have noticed folks deploying things that are within that typical marketing playbook that very obviously don't work anymore. Yeah. And then missing activities that are potentially like less expensive, don't require the same investment. Like why are we hiring for the same type of roles we hired for in the past? So it's kind of like marketing is entering a new era and that's a good thing. And it's weeding out some other activities, altering altering some existing ones and adding new ones. Yeah. And a lot of people are missing it. Things in the marketing playbook that aren't the same anymore. Organic search. Yes. Paid media. Paid search and paid social. Uh, Organic social. Everything. Corporate accounts. What else? Data and analytics. Consumer buying behavior. What else? The workforce, the folks on the marketing team are no longer the same as they used to be. Um, It's interesting there is that marketing talent have all changed. But one thing that hasn't are the challenges that founders and CEOs face when they're trying to build their first marketing team. A lot of marketers right now, they're still going back to the old stuff and somewhat stubbornly. Yeah trying to push through the same activities. Can I give you an example? I know you. F- it feels like you're on the tip of your tongue. Just spill the beans. Okay, thank you. So here's the example that I've seen in various forms recently yeah. is marketers are putting together marketing plans. And those plans, even when the tactics all make sense, right? They're like, okay, They're taking reality into account. They're not trying to vouch for building a brand LinkedIn following through organic posts, right? Even when that's the case, they are creating these plans without taking into account what it will take to implement them. Oh, yeah, I know. If you would like to talk actual marketing strategy, that involves taking into account where you're going to have resistance, where you're not going to have resistance, what your timeline, budget, resources, buy-in is going to be, and creating a strategy that involves maximizing the water flowing downriver. Yep. 
using successes to build trust in areas where you think you need to, you know, you have opportunity, leveraging your resources to the maximum amount possible by, for example, leveraging influencers within your company to help spread the word in their communities. It may be incremental in those areas since you're not paying extra for it. It's just building it into their role as like 1% of their time. That is a strategy. That is a marketing strategy because it isn't just, oh, hey, this is what normally is done because this is where we see marketing programs get hung up. They come up with it in a vacuum. They try to push it on the leader, the CEO and founder, and they want to be on board, but they don't understand it. And so it inevitably either fails outright or it's tough to maintain it. Yeah. I think that idea of never getting to the part where you actually like resource your plan to me is just such a consistent like kneecap, right? It's just like straight to the kneecaps. You never get to execute on the plan because you didn't even spend time to think, do I have the appropriate resources? Do I need to add a resource? If I need to add a resource, does that actually push out the time frame that I can accomplish things? Is that going to be an internal resource, an external resource? Are my people over-allocated? Are they under-allocated? Is there somebody just sitting in the corner not doing anything based on this plan? Like to me, that is where the rubber meets the road, right? And so I think that what I'm seeing too, to your point, it's like people are missing the strategic part and they're missing the resource allocation part and they're just building a plan. Yep. And plans are nice, right? It's like really fun to, I guess, say like, oh, I'll do this and I'll do this. But who will and when? And is that ca- is it capable? Do they have other competing priorities? Have you asked sales if they can lend you whatever resources you need in order to do the thing, right? Have you talked cross-functionally with the organization to make sure that they don't have a competing resource that they're going to tell you, no, you don't actually get any of my people's time? And that yep. to me is like a big, big mess. Absolutely. It's not a bad idea to come up with an ideal scenario because you do want a North star to work towards. You do want to make progress and you can, if you, if that's all you do and you don't factor in the reality, then yeah, you're going to get stalled. You're going to get fired. Another version of like the playbook is related to this around hiring. Do you really need to hire someone? Honestly, why are you advocating for this? Are you advocating it? for it because that's what you've done before. Yeah. That's what you've seen work before. Makes you feel better to have more people on your team as a leader. You're doing the same actions working with a freelancer, an agency, a consultant that you are with a full-time person, only you don't have to explain yourself as much. You could be really, you could just say expectation, timeline, is this realistic? Yeah. And then hold them to it. Yeah. And if they don't do it, you don't have to like coach them up. Yeah. It's easier to have better boundaries, I guess, when it's an external resource. Yeah. And if you go into those relationships, setting expectations, you're like, this is how I would like to be communicated with. How often and how I wanted to communicate. Yeah. In what format. I need to see this outcome or these reports on this level. I need you to speak and you just tweak it along the way. You can set it up to tailor around you and you may end up with more resources that way, you know? And so I think that's another way where it's like, why, why are we doing the same old thing? Like nothing is what it used to be. There's no town square anymore online. Yeah, Folks are engaging 
with their communities on tons of different platforms, in sub-communities on those platforms, in the behavior is not the same. Well, I even think about the difference between it used to be that you would like go, and this is like very stupid, but like you used to go on Instagram and you would tag people in posts, right? Like you would see a funny post and you would maybe write in the comments. And now you obviously send it straight to their DMs. And so all of that is happening in the private too. And I was even hearing the other day that Instagram is playing around with the ability to hide the likes, hide what you like. And so it might show up that this post gets a bunch of likes, but it won't show up that like you specifically liked it. So there's even this push towards erasing the digital footprint of the things that you're opting into. And so all of these things are changing underneath us and we need to understand them, but also be less precious about what has worked in the past versus what is going to work in the future. You know, what's really funny. I was trying to find something on Instagram. And I was like, where am I all my likes? I, I know where my bookmarks are, but I tend to yeah. like things. It used to be like, that you could go in. Yeah. I don't know if they can still do that, but it used to be that you, you could can. go back. Yeah. But it's like, you use the hamburger, you click activity mm. and it's it's hidden. Like they are hiding it. They're not yeah. making it easy. And that's a sign that they're, they are not prioritizing it. Yeah. And even like when you mentioned search, I don't remember exactly what it is, but Google is incorporating social signals into mm. search where even, you know, like you see Reddit threads come up now for search terms, but even LinkedIn posts and they're factoring in, you know, the person who like the following how, of the person that posted it or something like that. Yeah, their activity and prioritizing that way. That's a whole new element to search. Now, I am not a search expert. So I don't know how much that's factoring in. I don't know if that's going to be turned over. And I feel like, I don't know. But the yeah. fact that it's happening already, that alone too is changing like the priorities. Like, is the priority then to build a brand following or is the priority to build the followings of people who work at your company who can celebrate the product and the mission through their individual lens at the company to build yeah. brand that way. Because like if social platforms aren't prioritizing organic brand content and you're seeing that SERPs are prioritizing people results yeah, more, individuals. <laughs> then those two things don't go together, right? If you're trying to do, if you do the brand, cause like they're not, those two things aren't supporting the same thing. And so you have to come up with a way around that. And that's just one, one tiny example. Yeah. Being able to predict and experiment with these changes as they happen means that you're at the cusp of building something that might be future-proofed or at least work for a little bit in the near term. And I think the opposite thing is to sit back and wait until all of these changes codify and they're not going to. They're not it's not going to be like, oh, now we've solved it and we'll have another 10 years of everything working the same way. If the speed of change is only increasing, then you have to get really comfortable with the idea that you are now refreshing all of the things that you're doing at all given times and keeping a much closer eye on these changes. And that to me, I think is a that's like a huge behavioral change, right? For marketers to think about, which is like don't take anything for granted. If you've set this program in place and it used to be that you could set it in place and maybe operate for three years doing the same set of activities and it would work and it would increase over time. Like now you have to manage that baby a lot closer, right? You have to be really much more involved in the ongoing maintenance of that program, knowing that everything is going to change underneath us pretty rapidly. 
Yeah. The pace and of change is not going to slow down, you know? No. And there's like opportunity in that too. Take, for example, the early days of search in the B2B SaaS realm. It was like Help Scout was a great example. They were writing on customer support and optimizing for that keyword before customer support was a big thing. And yeah. they really benefited from that long term by being early to it. And I think that a lot of pe- folks' actions, even if they are embracing some of these changes, they're still centering it on assumptions that aren't true anymore. Say you're someone who is embracing the media-first approach, where you're realizing that like your, your buyers, your community are consuming from videos or podcasts And you use that to build your written search library and repurposing. You're like, I'm so smart. Two assumptions in there that will inevitably come up. The first is I have to build a huge audience on these platforms. And my my question to you is why? Yeah. I had someone talking to me about that this recently. They're the founder or someone, they were like, how long until we can get to X? I want to get to X volume of subscribers. On this platform. Exactly. I was like, what, does that help you close any deals? Do you have a funnel to like do anything with the, like, what are you going to do with those followers? Like, do you have a plan for how you're going to move those people into closer to your brand into that? And that like, you need a large following to be considered an expert. Hmm. Also very untrue. I think product founders should be extremely relieved to know that, They don't have to be a LinkedIn personality to contribute to growing their business. Like there are other things that they can do. And I was just talking to someone at a VC firm today about that. I was just like, the biggest mistake that marketers make is trying to force product founders to do things they don't understand and don't want to do. That's the thing that I went back to is that you have a personal brand, whether or not you are actively managing it, right? Everyone does. Everyone knows, you know, if you're in the workforce or even outside of it, like you have a a personal brand of people either trust you or they don't or some spectrum in between. They either, they know how you're going to show up if you're pretty repeatable, you know, like all of those things are true. And the idea that you can activate it in different ways that feel comfortable to you, the idea that you can do intentional activities for your personal brand, it can feel very much still like you, right? Yeah. I mean, this was something that you talked about early on when we started Don't Say Content is that's not something I'm passionate about. And interestingly- (laughs) And look at me now. (laughs) Well, it's true, but how many many customers have you closed in the past, whatever, nine months since we started, right? It's like you focused on- From the podcast, like one, but from my network, from the way that I show up elsewhere, you know. That's my point. That's my point. It's like, (laughs) you didn't need, the purpose of the podcast for you was never that to begin with. Yeah. And, and I said this to you last week, I I said, I think I'm doing too much work because I, part of it is that, yes, I do want to be visible within our community because it, I, I want that sort of serendipitous. I want people to be thinking about me and bringing me into things. And yeah. because I just like, I like that. Like that is nice for me. But as a business tool, it's not that useful. It's like I got speaking at conferences. 
I already had credibility. I was like, I didn't really need any more. Like I didn't need inbound stamp of approval. Marketing mm-hmm. profs, I just love so much. Like I, I didn't even need a business case. I was just like, I just want to do it because I love this community and I love the yeah. people who run it. But when I looked back and I was talking, talking to you about downsizing, I was like, I don't even really need to post on LinkedIn. I just need to go to my like many, many friends who are like, and ask them. And that's what happened. My new Easter egg is how can I work near bound into conversations when you're talking about something (laughs) far bound. Totes my goats, but that's it. Like all the, but how freeing is it? I'm like, wait a second. We don't have to, you don't have to have a very codified marketing playbook for you, you get to decide where to spend your energy based on what's working right now and what's not working. And you have to actively manage that and look at it like a precious little baby that you have to actively manage because it might shift over the next couple months. And it might be that you need to do other activities than you're doing right now. And honestly, if you want the most effective thing that I've seen for myself and for the folks around me, have a product that solves a problem that people have say it out loud uh-huh. and let people know you're available you can do that on linkedin you can do that in your network what you're touching at is so funny and i actually had a conversation very similar to this the other day where it was like for like an actual like b2b software company and it was like have you asked the audience, have you asked these people that you're getting in front of to do the next thing? I know like CTA, right? It's like, oh, duh. But have you done the thing where you maybe just like linked it to the next step or are you just creating stuff or talking about stuff? Like, do they actually know what you do and how they could pay you for that thing? (laughs) We get so stuck in it though. Like even marketers that are supposed to think about it all the time forget that you just have to sometimes be like, oh, and this is how I, this is what I do. And then this is how you could give me money for the thing that I do. Like whether you're a marketer for a software company or doing something for yourself, that's what it is. The thing I keep going back to this idea and I had, I had this written, like, I don't know what profile at some point, social profile. But a long time ago, I had this like thing of like, I believe in the goodness and greatness of people. Like people are both great and like big and wonderful and they're also good, right? And so much of it is you have to lead them to do the thing that you would be helpful for you. And if you don't know how to even ask what that thing is, they're never going to do it. And so much of marketing is just like asking somebody to do the next thing that would be really helpful for you and ideally for them too, right? Ideally, you're working at a company or you have a business or you have a solution for something that really solves a problem and is actually something that you're willing to stand behind. And if that's the case, then it's just about asking people to do the next thing that is good for both of you. Yeah. And I keep coming back to the channelification of marketing and this idea that we always, we're now just looking at channels and we're looking at the data from the channels and then people are selling you on different channels and helping you out with different channels. And what you have to do is you have to fight that and say, as a human being, how do human beings make decisions? I literally had this conversation earlier today. I said, what the best thing to do is to remember your humanity when you're trying to market. How do you buy things. If you search for something and the first thing that comes up is a paid 
um, slot for that search term, or you can scroll down one below and it's the free one, you might click the top one. And then all the marketers are like, look at our paid strategy that's killing it right now. And it's like, if you shut that off, they'd probably still, if you have built up enough intent, just go down to the next one and click on that one, right? Like, but everyone then is like, oh my God, let's pour money, more money into paid because look at all of our, like the paid channel is doing so well. And to me, it's just so like, we've forgotten the fact that we're human beings and human beings buy when they feel like they're listened to when somebody really understands their problem and when somebody credible gives them a solution to their problem. That is how people buy, right? Or if and they like, need it so bad that they're like forced into searching for it. They're like, oh yeah. my God, I yeah. have to have this. Well, In have a case. pain point, right? Like have a yeah. pain point, understand that they have a pain point, are actively looking for a solution. Somebody credible listens to your specific pain point and gives you a dedicated recommendation of a solution that will solve your problem. That's how yeah. people, like that's humans. That's humans. That's what people use us for all the time. Like the yeah. number of people who are like, what do you think about this person to hire? Should I bring on this agency? What do you think? Like, who do you know? And this is the problem with playbooks. A marketing and playbook will include search strategy. But if you're a company coming into a really saturated family of topics, keywords, that isn't automatically something you should do from the very beginning, even if long-term yeah. it does make sense to build up an inbound channel long-term. Yeah. It might be that, well, we got a seed round. It's going to give us, it gives us this much amount of runway. We need to show these results to get us to that next round. And we have obviously limited resources. It's like, I may not say to you, bring on a full-time marketer, do, you know, do a search, uh, put together a search yeah, strategy. Start building like, organic content. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, actually, you know, if you're seed stage and you're a product founder, you don't want to manage a marketer and you probably can't. And yeah. that's totally fine. It's a really risky investment that early on. I had a, an email the other day, a company that reached out to me. This company was like, we want to bring you on as like the first marketing hire to like build out our team for this really exciting blah, blah, blah. And I was like, like, woof. No. But I'm also like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why? If you need to see results in a short time, if you have like a, an obje- a clear objective that you need to hit on a short timeline, I need sales. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I've mentioned this product a lot recently, but like that company Atlas that I was telling you about, they're so smart. They're basically saying monetize your network and not yeah. just yours, but the networks of all the people at your company and make it really easy to utilize them to close deals. And it's like, Y- yes. Yep. And if you're early stage, it doesn't matter if it's scalable. Like I know. Even to even like there are way like even if your investors are saying like we want you to it's like fine, but if you can show results in a different way and say like we don't need to scale this very second. We just yeah. need to get enough money to be able to build something that scales. So people use that term founder-led sales with almost like a sneer or like oh you're still in the founder-led sales thing. I'm like cool. I know a company that's bootstrapped and is still doing founder-led sales and is killing it, you know? So this is growing and scaling and they still do founder-led sales. Like it's still the founder that's on the call, all the sales calls, and they're 
killing it. Very profitable. Mega yeah. profitable. <laughs> My entire job is to work with seed stage startups who don't have a marketing team. I will be here for three months and I am just going to get the right partner on, on board for you. Teach you how to communicate, especially like I've worked both sides, right? So like I understand what each one is going through and why that doesn't work. And you do too, because you've played those roles and now you're playing that sort of whisper between those two. And it's so simple for us, but I see why it's not for the people who are executing. What you're talking about is like that, that's the thing I hold nearest and dearest to my heart and my business is I try to matter less. Yeah. I'm trying to set up the system where I can exit out the gift shop and I can make sure like that feels great to me to be like, no, I'm not a blocker. I'm not, I'm not a bottleneck. Like this is the thing. And then you guys build this together, right? Like, am I building, am I like nurturing the connective tissue to then form and then it can work without me in it, right? But if I'm the connective tissue, then I'm screwed. But to your point of the playbooks, that is the new way to build a team is to Mm -hmm. think about that. And I think there's so many of the structures to your point of like, there are recruiting organizations, right? There's recruiters, but they're not going to do the thing that you need, which is identify what that skill set gap is based on your strategy, your plan, and then the resources you need without any sort of, I don't know, bias recommend exactly the right resource, whether that's a full-time hire, whether that's a solopreneur freelancer, whether that's a bigger agency, whether that's fractional work, like that is the new thing that we need in terms of building teams, marketing teams specifically, is like, what is that new model? Which is not just a recruiter, right? Because recruiters aren't going to see that other piece of like the agency world and the solopreneur freelancer world. They're going to think about full-time hires. Yeah. I worked with a company that used a recruiter to hire marketing people. And I looked at the JDs and not only were they not specific enough, they included too many things, which would naturally attract the wrong people. But then the recruiter a couple of times sent me people that I never should have talked to. And I said to him, I'm like, you are wasting my time. And I wasn't saying that in like a, um, like I didn't mean that in like a titled way. It was just like, what are we doing here? This is obviously a mistake. And I think the problem is a generic recruiter can't hire for the type of marketing roles that are out there today because they're more specific. There's less marketing generalists. And they don't know how to evaluate for the marketing skill sets. They're not an expert. A marketing person should hire a marketing person. And that's where I think when people come to you or me, we're like, well, obviously this JD is like, what was the one we were looking at the other week? And I was like, this is every, (laughs) like the role was for everything for me. Thank you. Yeah. And I forget we what the title a was. Brand focused product marketer with a background in ABM and paid media with a specialty in video production and producing content. <laughs> Regularly. You do all of this like yeah. every single week. And they had this bizarre it was like there was the base salary and then there were like bonus potential, but it wasn't they don't they didn't talk about what the success metrics were hmm. or what the, and so it's like, what 
based on the criteria of the role, I don't see where that fits in. Who's like, it, it was all of it. And also they were like, you need to be an expert in financial services and also like these 100 marketing tactics. And I was like, first of all, you are not paying enough for this role. No. I need you to know because I know from trying I'm to run terrified an of that role because you know that you're going to get no resources, no focus, no prioritization if that's how the JD sounds. Like the JD should be the most focused piece. I remember this from animals. Like we called people subject matter experts who are also excellent writers for the web. Hmm. We called them unicorns because yeah. they are. Right. Just because you are a subject matter, we hired someone who is a. And thank God now um, the channels don't need you to always be written, right? It used to be that written was the way or the content type. It had to be written, right? And so now thank God that there's subject matter experts that maybe feel more comfortable on podcasts or video or whatever, and that there's channels to support that message externally. Right. Like I want, this is so, I wanted to do a whole episode looking at specific. JDs and kind of, um, doing a kind of like what Tommy Walker does. It's sort of like a teardown, but like in a productive way, because I guarantee if we were to look at that BlackRock JD, I almost guarantee that we would look at it and realize that the strategy they really need, you know what I mean? Like the, what they can glean and you're like, Oh, wait, 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 hold on. They don't actually need a financial expert person, they need the type of person who understands, um, who's like, doesn't have a finance degree, but is like, whatever, some yeah, other thing. To facilitate and other subject really matter experts. Yeah. Interviewing and like, you know, they're a different level. They're more of a marketing strategist and coach who unearth the, the detailed content from the team and know how to package that and disseminate it based on how their community consumes that content and where they're motivated to and what the CTA will be. Let's put a pretty little bow or the way that we put pretty little bows on things, which is never really to sum it up or wrap There's it up no except bow. for burn them down. Burn down the advice for you, honestly. No, <laughs> just kidding. It's funny how the second I was like, this was interesting at B2B Forum, how many of the folks there were like, I'm bored. Yeah. I've been feeling that way because I started coming up with weird episode ideas that Katie was basically like. New format of the podcast. It wasn't even that. I just want to do like random episodes in there. She called me on the phone. She was like, and in her like beautiful Katie way was like, <laughs> I hear you. Like she totally fucking like therapied me. And she was like, like customer success managed you. And she used data. She said, here's the data of the show growth and how much listening time. And she's like, don't you fuck with can't that. change the format. I'm sorry. You're bored. But it was funny how admitting that I was bored and letting mm-hmm. myself say that out loud, feel it. What that led to was we recorded two episodes this week. I was more excited to record. They were meaty. They yeah. were specific. And that's how I can tell I'm having a good time. Yeah. The whole playbook thing is like when we're talking about stuff that like doesn't matter anymore or like I'm myself thinking in that framework. Yeah. I think that's the trigger to get bored. I'm like, that's not even the point. Yeah. And so we're like, 
then let's talk about the point. Say what you need to say, you know? I feel like this is a point where like normally a thing that we say all the time, say what you need to say, but don't say content. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. I'm Mirror-bound. Mirror-bound. <laughs> Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know, you know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. So you're excited about this? Well, everyone knows I hate playbooks already. So, like, we don't even need to go into that. But. But we will.